sad news that avid motoring journalist and photographer Nick Munting has passed away at the age of 66. Now, Dean Oliver, Overdrive's resident artist, and I knew Nick from many years ago when we travelled to New Caledonia to go into the rugged rural areas, stand by dusty roads and watch rally cars. Seemed like a good idea at the time, and indeed it was. Nick was enthusiastic, ebullient. He was a lad who always looked for the positive. To reflect on those memories, Dean joins me on the line. Dean, what did uh, Nick go on to do after we had uh, met him? Hello, David. Yes, well, uh, wonderful memories of Nick Munting. What a lovely fellow he was. We first met him when we were following the Southern Cross car rallies back in the 1970s, and uh, Nick was a a photographer and sort of part-time journalist at that time. His little company was called Focal Photography, he had an old Toyota Corolla with focal photography on the side of it, and uh, we spent some very cold nights in the mountains behind Port Macquarie waiting for rally cars to come through. And uh, he was a lovely fellow, a real enthusiast, a good photographer, and he had a, a good eye for photographing rally cars as well. And he went on to edit Checkered Flag. Yes, after that, he um, editor of Checkered Flag magazine, uh, which was a motor racing uh, magazine, set up, I think, as a competitor to... Racing Car News, the venerable magazine that it was. Yes. And then I think Nick then moved into public relations. I think he was for a time with uh, Daihatsu when they were rallying their Daihatsu charade. He was. He was indeed. It goes back to a time when he was filming, quite literally, with Kodak film that he had to wind in and, and load up. It was not nearly as processed as quickly as things might be now. You had to have an eye for it. Yes, and I, I think photographers had to plan their photography. They couldn't just press the button and take you know, 50 images. You had maybe a motor drive that might take two or three or four photographs, but you had to think about what you were doing and plan your, your photography. I think in some respects that made for better photographers. Not just go for bulk, not uh, just quantity, but rather quality. Although I do remember when we were in New Caledonia that he had run out of film and he had to load the film just as Jean Ragnotti was coming around to do this glorious sweeping left-hand bend in a big oversteer slide. He loaded the film and took 10 shots all within 20 seconds. But he he had planned that that was what he wanted to do. It's just that the running out of film caught him off guard. <laughs> Young people listening to this, David, will have no idea <laughs> of the of the complexities of, ro- of loading a roll of 35mm film into the back of a camera at night time <laughs> uh, when you can't feel your fingers because they're so cold. Ragnotti was in a little Renault Alpine, wasn't he? Certainly when we went to Numea, uh, Ragnotti was driving one of the X-Works Datsun 710. Oh, was he? Right. Which had competed in the Southern Cross Rally, and then the team shipped the cars across to Numea to do the safari, the New Caledonian safari. So any other memories, Dean? Oh, look, I remember seeing uh, Jean-Claude Ragnotti driving that Datsun uh, 710, the works car. It was right-hand drive, and so the navigator sat on the left-hand side of the car, And the roads in New Caledonia were, of course, driving on the opposite side of the road to here. Hmm. And Ragnotti was coming, flying through to the end of the stage, across the timing line, and then as he slowed down, he threw the car into a spin so that the car stopped with the navigator's side right adjacent to the control official. (laughs) So the control official uh, didn't have to run around the car to um, initial the navigator's card. It was very spectacular. 
And there was a whole tribe of Australian drivers there too. We saw Doug Stewart, who was driving for Mitsubishi at the time, but he had an old Volkswagen Beetle, which they called the La Cochinelle, and they got it bogged in, in the side of a sandy road, and in getting it out, the engine bay sort of filled up with sand, which got blasted through the, the engine bay by the, uh, the air-cooled motor and uh, sort of sandblasted the inside of the back of the car. I think his navigator was the late Barry Lake. Could have been. And I seem to remember Barry saying that the thing was on fire, they opened up the back and started throwing dirt onto it, as you say. Mm. Apparently, Doug Stewart turned to Barry and said, stop throwing rocks and start throwing dirt. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, that's right. And navigators to Monty Suffin, who was the navigator for George Fury. Monty was there navigating for one of the locals, I think. Okay. Bob Riley. Bob oh, Riley was yes. there um, also driving. Was he from Colt Speed, I think? Yes. He and, he and um, Brian Hope ran uh, the Colt Speed workshop in Meadowbank in Sydney, mm. uh, preparing rally cars. Mm. And I remember Bob had an old DAF that he was, somebody had lent him to drive around near Mia and... Uh, it was one of those early DAF models that had the sort of precursor to the CVV, whatever it is. Um, CVT. Continuous, um, yes, yes, that continuous drive transmission. And it was like driving a car with a, a big elastic band uh, running it, I think. <laughs> yeah. But they were wonderful characters. Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, it was a great, uh, a great time. They were also characters that could just something broke down, they just fixed it. Oh, yes. Whereas now you just replace it as long as you've got the parts. Whereas these guys fixed things, they got it going. Yes. Now Numia is the capital on the of uh, New Caledonia on the west side of the Grand Terre island and speaking french was important do you remember the waitress perhaps i might call her the maitre d albeit of a cafe do you remember her oh vaguely though vaguely <laughs> she insisted on you talking french uh yes yep yep you had to make an attempt at speaking french otherwise you didn't get fed yes uh, but for a couple of young australians her first trip out of away from the motherland was quite a a wonderful exotic experience to go to new caledonia a different language, a different culture, a different mm. attitude to things, uh, certainly a different attitude to driving. <laughs> and around the, the time of the safari, all the taxi drivers wanted to be uh, rally drivers, I think. It was a different culture and it was good to change, although everything wasn't elegant. Do you remember the powdered orange juice? I think we nicknamed it Le Tang. Yes, I'd forgotten that. Thank you for reminding me. Perhaps not the most pleasant of memories. And, and you would go and order de hamburger, two hamburgers. Yes. yes, I remember it was our first attempt at the challenging notion of eating snails, which we did and which I quite enjoyed. But the really frightening thing was the next morning on the wet grass at the back of the swimming pool, you could see the very same snails crawling across the grass. The accoutrement was defender, wasn't it? I think that... <laughs> And the other thing yeah. was, as I say, that uh, Numea's on the west side of the island. We travelled on dirt roads and that onto the east side of the island, which was really quite different, uh, very much in character. It wasn't a, a major city or a, a big town that's masquerading as a city. It was that little village atmosphere. We went into a, a little restaurant or what was like almost like club-like activity with men sitting on the balcony eating food. And uh, well, the only French word we knew was manger, as in eat and we said it and we thought they understood that clearly but they looked a bit 
perturbed, but nonetheless, they then fed us, I think it was crab sandwiches. They were absolutely beautiful. And at the end, we went to pay for it and realised that it wasn't a club or anything. I think we'd walked into someone's personal home. I think it was it was the dining room of a construction site, oh, um, is that what it was? which was decked out rather like a, a French bistro, right. and uh, we'd just sort of wandered on in and asked for something or asked for something to eat. I think they were probably trying to tell us no, please go away. <laughs> but in the end, they just uh, they just served us some beautiful food. I think just to get rid of us. Yeah. But I remember that was a lovely drive across and a challenging drive from Numea across to the eastern side of the island on those wide red gravel roads which sort of wound their way down through ravines and up over mountains and the roads were sort of ball bearing like with that red gravel and quite slippery and quite scary and i remember at the uh as some of the hairpin bends on the dirt roads there were wrecked cars lying in the gullies beyond the, the hairpin bend testament to the uh, enthusiastic driving of the locals a different culture a different environment it's all part of living and i enjoyed it immensely i'm saddened by the news of nick munting passing one thing he did was i had got the chance at a scholarship to go over to england and live in england for 12 months but I'd just been seconded to another job and I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And he said, ah, oh, look, go over there. I'll put you in contact with a couple of clubs on weekends. You can go and you can work in pit crews. You know, you can throw around a few tyres and what have you and get a good experience. He was enthusiastic. He wanted you to go out and enjoy life as much as he did. And he wasn't pretentious or competitive in that sort of sense. So I really enjoyed his company and I'm sad to see him go. Yes, well said, David. Mm. All right, Dean, good to talk to you, mate. Thanks for your time. Thanks, David. And that's Dean Oliver, and we were talking about a colleague that we had met many years ago in that wonderful world when you were young and you went out and experienced things without any luxury but a whole lot of fun.